thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're continuing our series on God's rescue plan. I want to turn, to tell, turn to someone and say, today's going to be challenging. Go ahead and tell them. Because it's going to be challenging. We're wrapping up this series that we've called God's rescue plan. And we've been looking at how God delivers his people from bondage, from slavery, that God can deliver his people from anxiety, from fear, and how he used a man named Moses. He calls him, he gives him a task to, to lead his people from the bondage of slavery into freedom and walk out God's rescue plan for these people. And that is what God has done for each and every one of us. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are on a journey. We're talking about this journey today. Last Sunday we talked about the Passover and how it was such a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you missed last week's, let, let me encourage you to go back and listen to it. There's these great, incredible parallels of the Passover that happened in Exodus and how Jesus fulfilled the Passover for everyone on the face of the planet. But today we're talking about when God set you free... After he set you free, you are on a journey. And the, the children of Israel, they were in a new season. They had never gone this way before. They had never been free before. And so everything was changing for them. Maybe you feel that way today. You know what? I, I thought I knew what was going on, but everything is changing for me. So this is just not a, an historical story, though it is, about God delivering um, his people out of Egypt. It's a story about what has happened to every single one of us. That's, we call ourselves a child of God. That we've been set free from bondage. We've been set free from slavery. And the picture betrayed when the, when the children of Israel come out of Egypt is our picture as well. That we are following the Lord, that we're moving towards his promise that he has for you. Because I know this about God's plan for your life. There are promises he has for you along your journey. They're for you. They belong to you. They got your name written all over them. You just got to go and get them. And so we are all on a journey at, at grasping what God has for us. And this, though, is going to be a challenging message because we're, there's a lot of parallels here. As we follow the Lord, as we continue on the journey, as the children of Israel step out of Egypt and begin their journey towards the promised land that God had promised them, some, we can learn some principles from them. So here's the deal. The children of Israel had never gone this way before. They had never been free before. They don't have stories about how they've been free before because it's been over 400 years. Maybe they tell a story back in the day, but the reality is no one has ever experienced freedom. No one has ever walked outside of Egypt. No one has ever taken step outside of the Nile. No one has, they, they just lived in Egypt. They didn't know how to act. They didn't know how to be. They didn't know how to think. Everything changed for them. Everything changed for them. It's like a toddler at a, at, a, at a nice dinner restaurant. Have you guys ever been there with your toddler? And you realize this child doesn't know how to act. Because they don't. Because they've never been there before. And you're never going to go there again with your toddler either. 
Their routine as the children of Israel, they, they, didn't, they didn't have one. Before, their routine was rooted in slavery. It was rooted in bondage. Now, how, what do you mean I'm not enslaved anymore? Their routine was changing. They had to find a new routine. They were stepping into a brand new territory. They had just been rescued, and it was a brand new season for them. Kind of like we just stepped into this brand new season of fall, which I love. Listen, my wife and I, this is a side note. There's no spiritual application what I'm about to say. We are fall junkies. Anyone else with us? We love fall. So the, the, the weather changed, and, you know, it, it got a little chilly. So I thought, we're going to build a fire. So, man, I packed our wood stove. I, I, it was our first fire of the year. We were like, isn't this nice? It's so good. About an hour later, we're like standing outside like, turn the fire off. It's too hot. We were dying, like sweating, standing in the rain. Like we turned the attic fan on and, because we love the new season. And then it's like, I'm like, shut the thing down. Like, you know, we're sweating. We're like in, you know, tank tops and shorts and trying to enjoy the fall. So we have like little, you know, Bath and Body Works candle burning. My wife loves that smell. And then we're, it's, it, we're, we're toasting. Did anyone else do that? Did anyone else build a fire yesterday? You did. Yes, somebody as crazy as me. That's wonderful. But we melted ourselves out because we love the new season. We love new seasons. And the children of Israel are on a new season. They're, they're, they're walking in a new season. And a new season in this context is a place and a situation that you have never walked through before. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would be willing to bet that some of you are being challenged and stepping into a season you've never walked in before. But if you look at our world, our nation is in a new season. We've never walked this way before. We, we've never been in this place we are today. Our world is in a new season. Man, there are things happening all over the world that you're thinking, we've never been this way before. Our nation, everything that's happening. I mean, we're in a new weather season. There are things happening and hurricanes and earthquakes and all kinds of crazy stuff happening just in, in, in the United States and in, this, in South America that's really close to us. The, we're, we're in a season we've never walked through before. We are in a season as a church we've never walked through before. We've never been here. We, we, we never have. We are, we are stepping into new territory that we've never stepped into before. And there are some principles that we can learn from the children of Israel to help us on this journey. That when God changes the season, that yes, he's rescued us. Yes, he has delivered us. Yes, maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, but here's the reality, seasons change. What I know about this is that God is always leading us to new places all the time. He's always doing new things in our life, in your life, all the time. New places could be us overcoming something in our lives. It could be us possessing a promise along our journey. It could be something in our own hearts that God's dealing with. It could be that, that God is, is bringing us on a new journey, maybe emotionally, mentally. Maybe he's bringing us to a greater place of health. Maybe he's, he's bringing us through the season where we're dealing with things that maybe of our past that we never really dealt with before. And he's wanting to bring freedom in some of these areas. 
Maybe, maybe it's an actual new place that God's leading you to, or God has led you to this place. And, and you're in this church today, and you're thinking, or you moved to this state, and you moved to this city, and you're thinking, well, I, we're on a new journey. This is where we are. Maybe it's a new vocation. Maybe he's leading you to a new place with a relationship with him. A relation, maybe he's dealing with relationships in your life as a whole and friendships. Maybe God's taking you on a new journey in your marriage. Because all of us, at every point of our lives, it's somewhere we are on a new journey. God is doing something new in us. And once God rescues us, he begins to take us on a journey, just as he did with the children of Israel. And the journey at times, and I'll just have to be honest with you, sometimes it feels really good. We're high-fiving, don't you love this journey? This is awesome. And sometimes it's really concerning. Sometimes it feels like I'm scared. Have you ever been scared on a journey that you knew God was with you on? I have. And here's the deal. Just like natural seasons, it doesn't matter if you want the season or not. It's coming. It doesn't matter. Either a new season is coming or you're in the middle of a new season. It is coming. And this message, I believe it's going to challenge us to the core of who we are because it's about us fixing our eyes on Jesus and trusting him, and trusting his way, and not trusting our own reasoning. This is really a message of what it means to walk and to live by faith. And we have different interpretations of that, and that and it can be different depending on the individual because that's how God works. He's brilliant, and he knows how to work in each of our lives. But just because the children of Israel, whether they wanted to go on a journey or not, the fact is they're going on a journey. They're leaving Egypt. If you don't like summer, guess what? Summer's going to come. If you don't like the fall, guess what? The fall's going to come. You can be, I don't like the winter, so I'm going to wear my flip-flops and tank tops because I don't like the winter. Well, tell me how that works for you. Because it doesn't matter. The season is coming. If you, don't, if, if you don't like the summer and you like fall and you're going you're gonna to wear your nice little flannel stuff around in the summertime and when people ask you, you're doing okay? Yeah, I, just, I hate the summer, but I love the fall. So you're always living your whole life wishing you were in another season. And you're sweaty and nasty because it's hot outside and you're dressed like it's cold outside. And you're cranky because you're hot. I'll stop. I was going to keep going, but I'm not going to. So the Israelites were stepping into a journey, a season they'd never been in before. They didn't know how to dress. They didn't know how to prepare. They didn't know when it was going to end. They didn't know, okay, we leave, where are we going? They didn't know the destination. They'd never been there. They'd never seen it before. All they knew is that they, listen, all they knew is that they needed to start walking. And so we're going to talk about what we can learn from when after God rescues you, when God sets you on a journey, and that when God is leading the children of Israel to a new territory, how this can parallel in our journey as well. So we're going to be reading in Exodus chapter 12. Now this is right after the plagues. This is right after Passover, which God told the children of Israel, take a lamb. You're going to kill the lamb. You're going to place the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. And then, and, and, and because of that, death is going to pass over your home. So Remember, some people did it. The, the Israelites did it. 
The Egyptians did not. And so the firstborn son of every home was killed. And so this was, again, another beautiful picture that as you apply the blood of Jesus to the doorposts of your life, that the destroyer will not come and enter your home. That's something as a promise, as a side note, you need to hold true to your home, to your, your physical home. You stand in your physical home and you say, this home belongs to Jesus Christ. The destroyer is not going to come in here. It's a side note. Try that when you get home. But it's un- you need to understand what that means. And so we're picking up the story after the plagues, after the Passover, Exodus chapter 12. It says this, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people. Get out of my country, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and herds as you've said and go. And also, bless me. It's just funny, he just kind of throws that in there. <laughs> bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and to leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before yeast was added. In other words, they were in a hurry and carried it on their shoulders and kneading troughs wrapped in, in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold for clothing. Then the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. So this is part of the journey. This is part of of what has happened here. So Pharaoh said, you can go. Moses told the Israelites, go to the neighbors and ask them to give them your gold and silver. You ever wonder how that conversation went? Excuse me. Yeah, hello. hi, I'm Jacob. Um, can, I, can I have your gold and silver, please? And then here's the bag. You can put it in. And that's what happened. And they, they gave to them. They, they gave their gold and their silver, and God had moved on their hearts to do so. So whether you've walked with God for 50 years or for five minutes, he's leading us on a destination. And he's taking us somewhere. But when God rescues you and when God begins the journey, you need to know something. That you didn't step on this journey just, just by yourself, just trying to figure out if this is going to work out. You need to know this, which is our point one. He, meaning God, provides everything you need for your journey. He provides everything. He is our provider. Turn and tell someone, say, God is our provider. Go ahead and tell them. Just saying that does something in our souls. There's power in the words to say, God is my provider. Before they left, God said to the children of Israel, I want you to ask the Egyptians. They're going going to give you whatever you ask for. And they did. They asked for gold and they asked for silver. And the Egyptians were moved and they gave to to the Israelites. So throughout their journey, they're going to have Provision. They're going to have gold and silver. And so what this means is that when you come to Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in him, when you start the journey and walking with Jesus, when you are born again, when salvation, which salvation is the first step. There were other steps you need to take along the way as a believer. Now, you, you need to get baptized. If you've been saved, I want you to get baptized. That's, that, that's what God has for you. That salvation is not in baptism, but baptism is a step of obedience. 
For, for, for those of us here at the church, what we created a growth track. That could be a next step for you. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's being obedient to the Lord. Maybe, maybe it's, it's serving God in your, in your workplace in a fresh new way. But you can start making a difference. But the reality is you are on a journey for the rest of your life. And God has provided for you this, for this journey. You, you don't step into the journey with, with a deficit. You step into the journey, Jesus Christ providing everything for you by the cross and his resurrection. That if you are in Christ, you have everything you need for your journey. You have no lack whatsoever. So just like the children of Israel, as you, if you were to continue to read the story, they get along the way and they have certain needs and God still provides for them. He provides water, provides food. He, he provides for them because he is our provider. But here's a very practical thing for us today. If since God, not if, since God has provided everything for you, for your journey, since God, through his son Jesus Christ, has provided for you, wherever you are today, Jesus is enough. There's a, a, a great allegory which is written by John Bunyan. It's the Pilgrim's Progress. And I read it back in college and it's great. But it's a wonderful picture of how the Christian life is a journey and everything you and I need that God has already provided for us in the journey. But here's, here's the practical thing. And we can learn from the children of Israel. And we can get some practical advice from Jesus' half-brother James, which he did a series back through the summer. He says this, you have not because you what? You ask not. You don't have because you haven't asked God for it. If I was to challenge you and say, what needs do you have in your life today? You can write those needs down. And you, if you were to write them on, on a piece of paper, I, I wonder if this, have you asked God? After you write it down, have I asked God to meet this need? Sometimes prayer is a very practical thing. Prayer is this, Lord, I need $200 by Tuesday at 2 p.m. And you just ask him for it. God, I, I, I need you to do this. Maybe it's, it's, it's a practical prayer of whatever you need in your relationship. Whether it's God, maybe you're dating someone or, or your relationship is getting serious. And you say, God, is this the person for me? Can you just show me and give me the answer? Is this the person you want me to marry? Here's, the, here's some good advice. If God says no, you need to run. Don't waste another minute. If God says yes, you need to pray that he tells them the same things he told you. Because that could be awkward. Practical things. Listen, serving God isn't this ultra like, ooh, we got to do this and wave this thing and pour oil over my head. No, no. It's just about praying. Just like the Israelites, they went to the next door. They knocked on the door. They said, can I have some gold and silver? And God said, and God moved on their hearts and they gave to them and he provided for them the pathway. God's provision for you is found in his son Jesus Christ. Whatever you need, he is the need meter. There have been times in my life, prayers were very, very practical. I was really challenged by this, by this message personally because as I was preparing for this, I realized there were practical things I'm just not asking God for because somehow I think God's far off or somehow I think God doesn't care. Yes, well, God is sovereign. Listen, James says you have not because you ask not. My challenge for you today is once you leave here and you go home, I want you to write down very, some very practical things. 
Here's a real practical thing. Whatever it is, write it down. If you need $100 by Thursday, say, Lord, I need $100 by Thursday. If you, if, you, if you need provision somewhere in, in your life, write the provision down and say, God, I'm believing you. I believe that you provide for me along the journey. I believe you're providing for me now. Write it down. Pray about it. Because James says you have not because you ask not. It's a very practical thing. But this is the journey that we are on. If you have your, some needs in your life right now, You simply need to ask God, who is abundant in mercy. He's abundant in grace. He will give you everything you need for the journey. And now he will give you everything you need, not everything what you want. But we're on a journey. Now, along the way of the journey, we pick up things that we need, just like the children of Israel. But also along the journey, we pick up things we don't need. And in the journey, and I've seen this so many times in my life, we pick up attitudes, we pick up mindsets, maybe the pain of the journey, which the journey is sometimes very painful, can alter our belief systems. Sometimes along the way, we pick up addictions, and we just continue with them because we're on the journey, and we don't stop long enough to say, God, something's gone wrong. But you need to know whatever you're facing today, God has provided for you everything you need. And he can meet your need. This is so profound. Just ask him to. I I don't mean to oversimplify this. Just ask him. If you have a child that isn't serving God, just ask him. If God needs to do something in your marriage, begin to pray. If you need physical healing, begin to ask him to heal you. If you need provision and financial, then, then ask him to meet your needs. If you need God to heal your heart that's been broken, ask him to heal your heart. It's actually that simple. Knock on the door and tell him what you need. When God rescues you, you are walking out your journey. And this is what we learn from the children of Israel. And as you step out of Egypt towards your promised land, as he provides for you everything necessary before the journey begins, on your way to the journey, number two, he rarely uses shortcuts. Everybody say amen to that one. He rarely uses shortcuts. So here you have about three million Israelites who left Egypt. They're moving through the desert. They're heading to the promised land. And they're on the way. Let's read Exodus 13. It says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country. Now look at this. Though that was shorter. That was shorter. They were heading to a destination. For God said if they face war, they might change their mind. So in other words, God knows more about you than what you know about yourself. Because guaranteed, they would have loved to go from this point to this point. They might change their mind, and they actually go back to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up from Egypt armed for battle. But they could have went a shorter way to the promised land. So listen, all they needed to do is come out of Egypt, 
turn left. That's all they had to do. Turn left. They could have followed the Mediterranean Sea and, and just had a great time. Think about it. On their way to the promised land, they could have been grilling fish. They could have been jet skiing, working on their suntan, all the way to the promised land. They could have volleyball tournaments, beach volleyball. It could have been wonderful. Had ice cream on the beach, it would have been great. Walking in the sand and the breeze of the Mediterranean Sea. And it was only about 10 to 14 day journey from Egypt over to the promised land that God had told them they were going. I mean, that could have been a great time. Good family time. They could have bonded. It could have been just a wonderful time. But God said, they, instead of turning left, God says, I want you to turn right. Now, we know the shortest distance between one point and another point is what? It's a straight line. But that's not what God does. Have you ever felt like that's not what God is doing in your journey? You know what he set in front of you. You know what he said to you. And so you think, well, there it is. It's just a 14-day journey just along the beach. And we're going to stop and, and have some kebabs along the way. And so you think, well, I'm going to go left. And you come and God says, I want you to go right. You think, yeah, but, but I want that. And it's not a straight line. It looks, looks like this sometimes. Why? Because God rarely uses shortcuts. But I tell you what, I want him to use shortcuts. When I drive, I try to use shortcuts. I say I try because it ends up being longer, but I try to use them. I think it just makes more sense. Why would God do this? On your journey, why would God lead you? If, 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 if there's a promised land, or a promised land, over there, why would God lead you? If left is short, why would he lead you right? I'll say this. The reality is that our journey, on our journey, the destination is actually not the goal. That's very difficult. It's where we're heading. It's where, it's where we're going, but it's actually not the goal. Because what good will it do? Because I know there are promises. God's promised many of you things in your life. That you're, you're on a, and, and you're going to possess them. I have no doubt you're going to possess what God has for you. But what good would it do for you to end up at the promised place, the short distance between two points, the straight line, you get there, and your heart is shattered and broken because of pain. You're dysfunctional in your relationships. You're full of doubt. You're full of pride. You're full of arrogance. And you're not really understanding. You don't even know your purpose. You don't even know why you're in the promised land. Because God has a greater purpose. And God loved the Israelites so much, my friends. And he loves you so much, no matter where you are in your journey today. Yes, he rescued you. And he rescued you just the way you are. It's, scripture says that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He rescued you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. He's leading all of us on a new journey and a new place. And the whole purpose of God rescuing us was for us it's for us just as what Paul wrote in Romans 8, 29. He says, that as, as you are saved, your whole purpose on this earth is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That takes a journey. That takes decisions. That takes the Lord dealing with things in our hearts. Because it's in the journey 
It's in the journey that God pulls back the curtains of our hearts and he reveals what's really inside of us. It begins to deal with our identity. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. You are always being conformed to the image of Jesus. Doesn't matter how long you have followed Jesus. Man, I, for me, I don't ever want to be a follower of Jesus and be following him for 40 years and, and just be like, well, I've, I've arrived and be arrogant and prideful. There was always areas of my life that God was to deal with. And God pulls back those curtains and he begins to deal with where you get your value from, where you get your worth from, what is your identity. There was a season in my life that God took me and my wife and my kids on a journey and I had to deal with where I got my worth and my value from. Was it in a position? Was it in influence? Was it in success? And all of those things were removed from me. It felt like at once. He ripped it off of me like a Band-Aid and it hurt, man. And I felt exposed and vulnerable. And I remember crying out to God and, and, and just feeling so uncertain because I didn't know who I was. Or really what I was saying, God, I'm not doing anything that gives me worth or value. And God spoke to me very clearly. He said, son, I have to first teach you how to be a son because you don't know how. You don't know how. And so I'll remove everything from your life that you try to get your identity from until that identity that you're seeking comes from me and from me alone. Why would God do that? Because he loves me. And these are still things that God constantly and consistently still works in my life, and I promise you, he's doing the same in your life. It's in this journey when God begins to deal with the stuff in our lives, we have two choices, and I see it all the time. People dig their heels in. They're like, no, 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 I'm not, nope. I should be able to stay the same, not be challenged, and God still get me to the promised land ASAP. We dig our heels in, and people do that, and guess what? They stay where they are. Two choices, dig your heels in, or just surrender and submit to God. The second one is the right choice. It's the journey. It's in the journey that we have a decision to make. We could, I, I, I see this all the time. We blame others for our inconvenience, for our pain, for our fear. And we just constantly blame. We can do that or we can embrace the journey is God's plan for our lives. That's very hard to say. But most people, they fight and they fight and they fight. And God's saying, will you stop fighting? And just recognize I'm trying to do something in your life. This is what he was doing with the children of Israel. These are the defining moments in our lives that we could make a decision. We're going to stop blaming people and start trusting God. Stop pointing at everybody and everything and circumstances. Well, I'm frustrated because of this. I'm frustrated because who's the president. I'm frustrated who's not the president. I'm frustrated because of this group. I'm frustrated because the, the pastor did this. I'm frustrated because this person. I'm frustrated because I'm fr fr every, uh, all the time. And, man, we just dig our heels in. 
And God the whole time is saying, I, I, I'm trying to get you to your promised land. Will you trust me? And God wants us to bring us to a place where we surrender without knowing what's next. God ever challenge you to do that? To surrender without knowing that what's next? That goes against our, con- we are all control freaks. Let's just be honest about it. Tell someone you're control freak. Go and tell them. You just tell them. You, that one wasn't very loud. We all want to control things. But we, God wants to bring us to a place where we surrender when we don't know what's next. We surrender without understanding the why. Because he wants to put, bring us to a place that the only image we're trying to uphold is the image that God, I am your child. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And for men, this is a big deal. Women, you struggle with this in other areas. But we all struggle with it. Many people are stuck in the journey because, again, it's someone else's fault. Or my life took a detour when that person or people rejected me, when they hurt me, when they didn't appreciate me, when, when, when you made a mistake and, and, and people ostracized you because you had made a mistake. Listen, I've had false accusations against me during our journey and, and through ministry. We've had people tell, call me, oh, I'm flaky. They've called me. They, we, we, I won't go into the details, but we've had accusations. False things. Nothing. There was never an accusation of immorality. Nothing like that. I'm just saying people said, well, you're this. And, well, you're this. Well, you don't care. And it's, you did this because you already knew that was going to happen. And, and none of them were true. And, and, and we, were, we were challenged deeply to our core. But listen, because it's in those moments that your emotions, your adrenaline gland is pumping. And you start having conversations with people that, that actually aren't in front of you. And I've said this before. You, in, in, in your conversation, you tell them one thing, and then in your own mind, they answer you back. And that makes you mad what they said, but they're actually not even saying anything. You know I'm telling the truth. And then you say this, and then they say something back. So you are fighting this imaginary person in your own brain and getting mad about what they said. It happens. I've been there. Listen, let's don't stall out on your journey to the promised land because of somebody else. Get your eyes off of people and put your eyes on God. Stop freaking out because God didn't take you the shortcut way. God didn't take you the way you wanted it to go. You ended up in a journey you never thought was you were going to, but here you are. You're in this season. It's coming. Learn how to walk through it. Just follow him. It's kind of like when, when I was in uh, taking driver's ed. And I grew up in a small town, so driver's ed was pretty easy. You know, you got like two chances to screw up at a stop sign. And so, and that you just had to miss the cows and the deer on the road. I mean, there wasn't traffic. Just drive along. But I remember my, my driver's ed teacher told me this. He said, Jason, if you look to the right, you're going to go to the right. If you look to the left, your car is going to go to the left. So he said, fix your eyes down the road. Don't look. Same, same, same way for us. Don't, don't look to what 
how people have hurt you. Don't look to your past mistakes because what, as, as you look to them, you're going to live your life at the mercy of everybody else and of people. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Do not end up in a ditch on a 12-lane highway that you're driving on and God's just right in front of you because what's, you're going to look here, you're going to look here, and it's the journey. Don't end up in the ditch. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what David writes in Psalm 121. He says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, it doesn't. It doesn't come from there. They're big. They're, they're, they're ominous. They're there. Maybe, maybe they'll help me. Nope. I, I don't look to the mountains. My help comes from who? The Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot slip. Actually, I'm sorry. I memorized it in something. He will not let you stumble The one who watches over you will not slumber. He's not asleep on the job. He is riding with you. Just fix your eyes on him. Which brings us to the next point, number three. He never leaves your side. God never leaves your side. In Exodus 13, the children of Israel are are on the journey. They've turned right. They're, they're, They're traveling, three million of them. And they stopped at one area, and then they left again. And so it says this. After leaving Sukkot, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in the pillar of fire to give them light. Another, just another just quick thing about God's provision. In the desert, at night, it gets cold. So he gives them a pillar of fire to also guide them and keep them warm. In the desert, during the day, it gets hot. So it gives them a cloud, not just to guide them, but to cover them and give them shade. It's just the provision of the Lord. So that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I want to go on just to the next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, so they're traveling. They're on their way. They just left Sukkos. The cloud's guiding them. The fire's guiding them. Tell the Israelites to turn back. Look at this. Turn back. Well, we just left Egypt. We're running from Pharaoh. Excuse me? Turn back and encamp near. Now, I butcher this thing every time I read it. So there you go. Pi Hahareth. That's what I think it says. Between Migdal and the sea. So turn back and go back. Do you notice there's no explanation of why? God doesn't say, I want you to go there. And this is why you you were going to go there. Because this is what I'm going to do when you get there. Or turn back because when you turn back, I'm going to also show you where your next 7, 12, 14, 30, 40 stops are going to be. He doesn't. He says turn back. Moses and Aaron have to be thinking, after we get there, what are we going to do? And also Pharaoh is on our tail. And many times God gives us the what without the why. Many times God gives us the what without the why. We want everything planned out step by step. I, wouldn't that be great if God led you and planned everything out for you step by step? You wake up in the morning, these are the seven things you're going to do today, and tomorrow I'll show you the other seven. He doesn't. You wake up in the morning, and there's sometimes one step in front of you. 
Because many times we want to know the why before we decide to commit to the journey. So we hold our, we hold, we hold our obedience at ransom until God really tells us what's going on. Happens all the time. I want to know where I'm going to end up. How long it's going to take. How much is it going to cost me. But God says this, no, just follow me. Just trust me. Well, what, what do you mean just trust me? Well, you, you see the pillar of cloud, Israelites? When it moves, you move. You see the pillar of fire? When it moves, you move. When it goes straight, you go straight. When it turns left, it, it, you go left. I mean, I can imagine the murmuring, the complaining. Like, well, but why are we going left? Well, why are we going right? Well, why are we going straight? Why are we moving the offering to the end of service? That's funny. That's funny. Well, what, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Right, I'm, I'm going to sit right here until God tells me after we turn left. Then what are we going to do? Listen, that's not a good idea to do that with God. He's looking for people who are willing to say, "You tell me where to step, and I'll step. And if I got one foot on one step, one foot on another step, I don't care. All I know is you told me to step." He's looking for people who are willing to do that. Because it's in that process that he begins to deal with things in our lives. This would drive us crazy. Because I, I, I know many of you. This would drive you crazy. When it started moving, we would we'd be like, I can't believe it's moving again. Why don't we just stay here? Why can't we stay here? I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm making a cup of coffee. I'm happy right here. I, why can't we just stay right here? Why can't we just do things the way we've always done them? Why, I don't understand. We're here in the desert. What's the point? We've already went that way. Why are we going back and going the other way? The lesson we learn is this. That God wants you to know. And he moves things around sometimes. He wants you and he wants me to be okay without knowing the why. Because he wants to be enough for us. He wants to be enough for you. And once you decide to follow God's directions, by faith, he's going to guide you step by step. But he may not tell you exactly how you're going to get there or even why you're going there. He's just leading us. So whatever journey you are on right now, don't get freaked out with anxiety and fear about what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. That God is with me. He's walking with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. No matter, though you walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my God is with me. He's with me. And God wants to bring us to a place. Now, th this, is a, this is a strong word. He wants to bring us to a place where we can say, Jesus, you're enough for me. No matter what, you're enough. No matter what people think, no matter what, where my worth comes from or doesn't come from, no matter what's going on, no matter where I'm at, no matter if you tell me to go back and turn around and go back and turn around and go back, seven, 20 different, it doesn't matter. You are enough for me. Which leads us to the next one, number four. When he leads us on our journey, his directions at first seem kind of confusing. Exodus 14, then the Lord said to Moses, 
till the Israelites turn back and camp near Pihahereth between Milgdal and the sea. There they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite from Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. So they're moving away from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's after them with his army, wants to kill them. Then God tells them, turn around and walk towards Pharaoh. And so what they do, they did that. And they begin to go back and and it was basically right across the river from Pharaoh, and they're standing there. Why would God do that? Why would God bring them from a place of, of seemed like safety, back into harm's way? Simple thing. Remember, God has the right to do whatever he wants to. It's that simple. God and Pharaoh, they didn't get along very well. Their relationship has not gone on very well. Pharaoh sees the people coming, sees the dust and three million people. He thinks they're crazy. They're walking right into my trap. Little did he know he was walking into God's trap. And we know how that story goes. The children of Israel cross the Red Sea. Pharaoh follows them. And then scripture says, it's very interesting. It says that, I, I think he says that he disjointed the wheels of their chariots. In other words, they stopped working. And then God collapsed the Red Sea and he killed the army. But here's the application of this lesson. On our journey, as God is leading us, sometimes the directions are confusing. And there are some things Jesus tells us to do that just do not make any sense. For instance, I don't understand why God would say give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will be poured into your lap. That's what he said. That doesn't make sense to us. That God would say, okay, you give me 10% of your income, and I'll make that 90% that's left over more than 100%, and you'll actually have more provision in your life than if you would have kept 100%. Does that make any sense to any business mind whatsoever? No, it doesn't. But that's God. That's how he does it. It doesn't make sense. But God says, that's the way I work. I do things that don't make sense, but they make sense to me because I'm doing something that's outside of your natural mind. Jesus says, if you want to gain your life, then guess what? You need to lose your life. I don't understand that. He says, if you want to be exalted, you need to humble yourself. But if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. I trust, I, that doesn't make any sense. Those things don't make sense, do they? Because they're God's ways. They seem confusing, but the outcome is always incredible. There are all these instructions in the Old Testament and the New Testament that don't make sense. God always knows what he's doing, though. Our job is to obey him. When we come across something in the word and we think, oh, my gosh, but why does God want me to do that? Just, just, just obey it. Just obey it. Just follow it. Just commit to it. Just trust that this word is not some fairy tale that, that mankind made up so that they could control people. This is actually the God-breathed word of God that came from his mouth. It was penned by the hands of men, by the spirit and power of the Holy Spirit. And when you read it, it changes you, it transforms you. And when you obey it, he will open the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing you cannot contain. That's what this means. 
but I don't understand. You don't have to. Just obey it. Down to the very practical things. Even sex before marriage. We live in a world that it's totally okay. It's totally fine. If you're, if you're going to marry him, you can have sex with him. doesn't matter. That's not what the Bible says. And if you, will, if you will crucify your flesh and you will say, I'm going to obey this word in the name of Jesus. He's going to help me. I'm going to overcome it. You, you, you have no clue the benefit you're stepping into into your marriage. If you would just obey this. And if you fail, you need to repent. You need to make a decision. We're going to be holy and pure. And don't do it again until you get married. That's not to condemn anyone. That's just to say the word of God is true. And no matter what society says, what's the word say? We can trust in his grace. We can trust in his his goodness. We can trust in his life. We can trust in his love for us. He leads us along the way. Sometimes I don't know what step seven is, but I know what step one is. Our journey for Cheryl and I, we, we, we were on staff here at the church from 03 to I think it was like 09, somewhere in there. God told us to leave and do full-time missions. I thought that meant we were going to do that for the rest of our lives. God opened the door. God was beginning to, to, to give us great fruit in the U.K. And, and I, we, that's what we, we were being obedient. And thanks to many of you who supported us on the journey, God did amazing things in our lives. And we were able to save people. And, and God used us to transform people's lives. It was, it was, I was living the dream. And then one day God, God gave me a dream, a literal dream. He said, I want you to go back to Faith Bible Chapel. Why? I, I left there. They're gr- that's a great church. I'm, I'm doing this, God. He says, obey me. So we left, and people said, did God change his mind? I don't, I, no. He just didn't show me his whole mind. The reason, the reason why I'm here today is because we went from this place to this place, obeyed God here, went to here, then God spoke to us and gave us a passion and a vision and a heart for these amazing people that I call my church home, Faith Bible Chapel. And so then he brought us back to here and led us to here, led us to here, and then for some reason I'm pastoring this church now. It's because of God leading us. I don't know the why, but many times we know the what. Reminds me of a story about a farmer. And the farmer was helping his young son grow and become the man that he wanted to be. And he said, son, and it was nighttime out in the dark countryside. Son, I want you to go check on the cows at the barn. Son says, "Uh, I can't see the barn from the house, dad. That's all right. Come with me. Walks out to the front porch. Boy was afraid. And he said, Son, can you see the gate at the front of the yard? And the son says, Yeah, I, 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 can, I can see the gate, Dad. Son, and Dad says, Walk to the gate. So the son walks to the gate. He says, Dad, I, the son says, I still can't see the barn, though, Dad. He said, well, Can you see the oak tree? 
Yeah, I can see the oak tree. Walk to the oak tree. So he gets to the oak tree and uh, says, Dad, I, it's, I still can't see the barn. He says, well, Dad says, can you see the well? Yeah, I can see the well. Walk over to the well, son. Walks over to the well. And Dad says, son, can you see the barn now? Yeah, I can see the barn. He says, well, since you're there, why don't you just go check on the cows? Sometimes God leads us one step at a time. We don't know why we're at the gate. We don't know where we're going. We, we don't know what the next thing is. God knows. God, God's got something for us that is bigger than us. It's bigger than what, anything you ever dreamed. But we can't see the next thing. But, but all, we can, all we can see is what God is telling us to do right now. And so we take that step. Why do you want me to go to the gate? Why do you want me to go to the tree? I'm not leaving the porch. Why am I going to the, to the gate? God, no, no. Just go to the gate. Why do you want me to go to the well? Don't, don't ask that. Just go to the well. God, what, why do you want me to obey that? What's that going to do for me? Don't ask. Just obey it. Whatever it is in your life, you, you know that next step is for you just take it just trust him just walk by faith I, I, I wish we could have a cloud in front of us that would move and I, I wish we could have a pillar of fire that, that you know, we wake up in the morning and just shows up in our, in our room and we just follow it around the house and it goes over to the coffee pot. Oh, yeah, you want me to get some coffee? And, you know, it leads as we walk out. I, I, you guys, we don't have that. But what we do have actually is better than that. And in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples gathered in the upper room and they were waiting for something. They didn't know what it was. Scripture says that a sound like a mighty rushing wind filled that room. <sighs> Sounds like a cloud to me. And there were tongues of fire, fire, cloud. And they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. That from that moment on, they could, they could be witnesses in ways they never thought was possible. They began to do things they never thought was possible. Not because they were following a physical fire, a physical cloud. They were, they were following the fire that burned in their belly that came from the Lord Jesus Christ. That they could follow him. They could be witnesses. They could heal the sick. They could raise the dead. They could preach the gospel. They could do whatever, whatever it was that God was asking them to do. Now, that may not be for you to to. to travel and to be a missionary but listen you've got the fire burning in your belly because Jesus said you have the spirit that knows all truth you know what to do next you know what the spirit's speaking to you you know what the word says no matter where you are in your journey you know what the next step is here's my encouragement to you and I believe God's as well just take the step just take the step. Just follow him. And you will find yourself enjoying the journey instead of resenting the journey. One step at a time. 
one obedient decision at a time. And at the end, we'll be at the barn. And we can take care of the cows. Let's all stand up. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.